Well, hello, Heritage family. How are we doing? Woohoo! I don't know about you, but how many of you are excited that it appears that spring is here? Anybody? This is awesome. Now I'll remind you we live in the Quad Cities and it could snow any minute. But I absolutely love that it appears that spring is here. I want to welcome our family here at Rock Island Campus. Those of you joining us at Bettendorf and online, welcome, welcome, welcome. I absolutely love what God does as we gather week in and week out. I love how he reveals himself to us, how he uses these times to draw us closer to him and, and even to help shape us and form us and mold us into the men and women that he desires to be. And I got to tell you, I have absolutely loved the last few weeks as we have celebrated the reality on Easter that we didn't just celebrate a death that led to a resurrection, but a love that read, led to a rescue. And we had, we're still celebrating 270 plus people who took steps towards Jesus. It is absolutely miraculous, isn't it? I mean, it is awesome what God is doing. In the last two weeks, I've been especially challenged as we've been exploring the reality that not only did God roll, uh, roll the stone away that day that we celebrate as Easter, but the hope that we have that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us and the reality that God continues to move stones in our lives today. And I love that, and that challenges me. And in fact, if you didn't catch either of those messages, I encourage you to go to heritageqc.com, click on the media tab, and check those out. Listen, I don't just say that because that's what I'm supposed to say, all right? I say that because if we as a people can truly grasp the reality that our God continues to move stones today, that's a game changer. Because you, like me, I'm sure, have areas in your life where you have wrestled and you have cried out to God and said, God, I want you to set me free. Or God, there's this work that I, that I want to have happen in my life, but it just seems impossible. But if we can get to the point where we truly grasp and understand the reality that our God still does the miraculous today, that our God still moves stones, it'll, it is a game changer for us. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the reality that Jesus not only can set us free, that he has set us free. So we are free in Jesus to walk into, to lean into the life that he desires for us. And not only are we free to do that, but that he has empowered us with his Holy Spirit's dunamis power to live that out. And today, just in our brief time together, as we lean into the word of God, I think there's another pile of large stones in our world that God desires to move. You see, yes, we are free. Amen. We are empowered. Amen. But the reality is there's some areas in our lives, potentially, that if we don't give some attention to and God doesn't begin to move some stones, that they can begin to influence or prohibit us from leaning into what God desires. And what I'm talking about are the areas of great woundedness, the areas of great hurt, the, the things that have happened to us. Maybe it was as children or maybe it was as adults. These are the areas of our lives where we need great healing to take place. And so today as we lean into that, I knew for about a month now, that, or maybe a little more, that I was going to be teaching this message. And over the last month, I have just begun to keep track of some of the stories that I've interacted with of people who have been incredibly wounded and who are wrestling through incredibly difficult moments. Let me tell you a few. Just a few weeks ago, I sat down with a guy, a fairly new believer in Jesus. Maybe he had been a believer for three or four weeks, and we were talking about the reality that Jesus has set him free and that he has the hope that he can live in a different way and his life has a new trajectory, and, and he was excited about that. But there was a moment in this room when he looked at me and tears began to well up in his face, and he said, Justin, 18 years ago, I was on my way to work. I was driving my car, and in my back seat was my infant son, my only son, my firstborn child. And I came to the stop sign, and I looked to the left, and I looked to the right, and I didn't see any cars coming, and so I proceeded out into the intersection. But I didn't see the truck to my left that appeared over the hill. 
And before I could respond, his truck made it, had impact with my car. And in an instant, my son's life was gone. And he looked at me and he said, Justin, I have blamed myself for that for 18 years. Can God heal me? Can God heal me from that? Just this last week, I was sitting with a school administrator and, and, and connecting with them about what is happening in the schools. And, and this administrator went on to tell me that they've had two students this last week that have talked about committing suicide. This is an elementary school. One of those students, a fourth grade student, proceeded to run down the hill from his school and into oncoming traffic because life was too much and he just wanted to take his life. I've sat with couples where one, one partner in the marriage was unfaithful and listened to the hurt and pain and the destruction that that brought just in that marriage. I've journeyed with another uh, individual whose parents, one of the parents was un, unfaithful and dealt with the havoc and the hurt that it's caused her, but this destruction that it's left in its wake with the entire family. One of my good friends stood at the bedside of their parent this week while their parent took their last breath on this side of heaven. I'm journeying with another friend of mine whose sibling has cancer and is rapidly deteriorating. Another gentleman had a stroke this week, and as we sit here in this space, is right now wrestling, fighting for his life. And those are just stories that are connected to me. I mean, we turn on the TV, and there's earthquakes in Myanmar, and there's earthquakes in Japan and in Ecuador, and, and we see these stories of people whose lives are being lost, and families are grieving, and if they're not grieving the loss of a family member, maybe they're grieving the loss of their homes and their livelihoods. And these are tough stories, aren't they? But we know these because we've encountered them. We've encountered them. They've happened to us, or they've happened to somebody that we love, and we've had to grin our teeth and we've had to press on through it because we don't have any other choice. We have to get through it. But we can find ourselves in a moment, whether it's in the moment of that pain or in the moments that follow, in the years that follow, beginning to ask the question, can God heal me? Can God heal me? And you see, just like those people that I've interacted with over the last month, you and I in this room today have stones in our lives, areas of healing that need to take place. And I want you to know that God wants to bring healing. Our God continues to heal today. But what we have to understand before we lean into this conversation around the reality that God still heals is simply the fact that we all need healing. We all need healing today. It could be a physical healing. You could have got a diagnosis that just rocked your world. Maybe it was you or somebody in your family received a diagnosis that stopped you in your tracks. It could have been an accident at work and you're dealing with an injury to a limb. Maybe it was some, something that happened that has left you physically disabled, physically unable to live in the way that you want to live. Maybe it's an emotional healing that you need today. Maybe somebody has so wounded you, they've done heinous things to you, and you're in a place where whether it was as a kid or as an adult, where you are just hurting inside emotionally. Maybe it's a decision that you've made that has caused significant ripple in your life, significant pain in your life. And today you need an emotional healing. You need God to move some stones in you emotionally. Or perhaps it's a spiritual healing. You realize that you have run from Jesus your entire life and you realize that you need a spiritual healing, the reality that Jesus can transform you, he can heal you and set you in right relationship with Jesus. And I don't know what it is today, what healing that you may need, what you may have been crying out to God for, but I want you to know that we all need healing. And as we interact with these things, we're crying out, we begin to ask the real question of Jesus, can you heal me, don't we? Jesus, can you heal her? Jesus, can you heal this? Jesus, can you heal this broken system? Like, are you there? Can you heal? 
And as followers of Jesus, many times we'll throw our hands in the air and say, yes, yes, Jesus can heal, right? We'll say, yes, Jesus can do the miraculous and he can heal, which is absolutely true. But what happens sometimes is where we get a little slippery is when we start to add qualifiers to the end of that statement. Yes, Jesus can heal if your heart's right with him. Yes, Jesus can heal if you have enough faith. Yes, Jesus can heal if dot, dot, dot. And what happens and where this can become a challenge for us is as we begin to make the shift and forget that it's God alone who heals. You see, as we begin to add those qualifiers, some way, shape, or form, we can get to a place where we mistakenly think that it's by our ability, by the things that we do, the decisions that we make, that healing is possible. But the reality is it's, it's through God alone that healing can take place. In fact, if you look at the whole of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we see story after story after story of how God can bring healing. Whether it's in Genesis when Abraham prays for Amalek and his family and they're healed, all right? Or if you move through the Old Testament and there's multiple moments where the Israelites are healed, God heals them miraculously, or, or it's when God brings healing and raises the dead to life through the prophets, right? Or Jesus comes onto the scene and we turn the page to Matthew, right? And Jesus heals hundreds of men and women of all kinds of things, or Jesus dies, he raises from the dead, he ascends to heaven, and then we watch as his disciples continue to heal people in Jesus' name. I mean, we see it from the beginning of the Bible to the end, that our God is able to heal, which is good news for us today as we come here and we have these areas of woundedness that we are crying out for God to heal. But what I want us to understand today is that healing isn't just something that God does. It's not just something that God does. Healing it's part of who God is. It's part of who God is. It flows from the very heart of God. In fact, healing flows from the heart of God. Healing flows from the heart of God. It's not just something he does. It's who he is. In fact, in the Old Testament, um, the way that they use names is much different than how we interact with names today, right? So my name is Justin, and that, that separates me from Dwayne, which separates me from Dan, right? So kind of names are, quali or they're kind of distinguishers to get an idea of who is who. But the reality is in the Old Testament, it was completely different. When there was a name mentioned, especially a name of God, it pointed to a key character quality or something that was core to who they were. And we get to interact in Exodus 15 in one of the moments that God reveals his name, reveals his character. Check this out, Exodus 15, verse 26. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all of his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. Do me a favor, just in your outline, will you circle that? Maybe you have your Bible, circle that. Because what God is saying in this moment is that I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. God is saying this whole healing thing is, is core to who I am. Healing flows from my heart. Everything that I'm a part of is part of this healing work that takes place. And we see that throughout the Bible. But let me show you just a couple examples in the book of Psalms where this healing characteristic of God is mentioned. Check out Psalm 147. Verse 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted. Jehovah Rapha, he bandages their wounds. Check out Psalm 103. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, 
And forget not all his benefit, who forgives all of your sins. Praise God. I love that part. But he goes on to say, and heals all of your diseases. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. At the core of who our God is, is a God who heals. Healing flows from the heart of God. In fact, as Jesus comes on the scene, we see this same core piece of Jesus' ministry lived out. In fact, before we jump into Luke 4, let me ask you a question. If I were to ask you why Jesus came, what would you say? Go ahead and shout it out. To save us. Anybody say to save us? If you'd say, hey, Jesus came to save us. That's why he came. Raise your hand right where you're at. Bettendorf, get in on that. Absolutely. And that is the most common answer. And you know what? It's absolutely right. But here's the key today. That's one piece of why Jesus came. That's one piece. It's a significant piece. Praise God. But in Luke 4, citing and quoting Isaiah 61, which is a prophecy of the coming Messiah, Jesus gives us a larger picture, the whole pie of why he came. Check this out. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, over the last couple weeks, you see the reality that Jesus came to set us free, right? You see the reality that Jesus came to empower us with his Holy Spirit's dunamis power so that we can live empowered lives. But there's also at the core of Jesus's ministry here, as you read, the recovery of sight to the blind is this picture of healing. And I don't just mean a spiritual healing. I mean Jesus' desire, core to the reason that Jesus came, was to provide healing, shalom, wholeness, in every area of our lives, and not just our lives, but to our homes, to our neighborhoods, to our cities, to our, to our country, to our world. Jesus came to bring shalom, wholeness. Healing was at the very core of what Jesus did. In fact, a couple of verses after this, Jesus said, Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And just in case anyone there that was there that day in the synagogue when Jesus said this, in case there were any questions, by the end of Luke chapter 4, Jesus proceeds to cast out demons. He heals one of his disciples' mother-in-laws. He lays hands on men and women, and he cures them of illnesses. He casts out more demons. And by the end of chapter 4, Jesus has not only said verbally that this is why he's come, he has displayed it. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, we see healing is a core, central point of how Jesus functions. It was core to how God functioned in the Old Testament. It was core to how Jesus functions in the Gospels. And it continues to be a central piece of how God is at work today. In fact, check out Hebrews 13, what it says about Jesus. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that healed in the Gospels. I want you to know is healing today and will continue to heal in the days ahead. And so as we look at the areas of our lives where there's hurt, where there's areas that we need healing, I want you to know the incredibly good news today is that Jehovah Rapha continues to heal today. There's a story in John 9, one of the cool healing stories that Jesus uh, that Jesus performs. In fact, if you haven't read the Gospels, I encourage you to just take a moment, go to the book of Mark, and just begin to skim through that. You're going to see like miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I absolutely love it. But this story is in John chapter 9, and, and what's happening is the disciples and Jesus are traveling from one place to another. And as they're traveling, they come across a guy on the side of the road who had been blind from birth, all right? And the disciples begin this interaction with Jesus, just simply asking like, Jesus, why is this guy blind? 
why is he blind? And in this interaction, Jesus says to them that he is blind, was born blind, so that the work of God could be on display. And then in verse 6, Jesus says this. He says, after saying this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Cool story, isn't it? Kind of odd, the whole saliva piece, let's be honest, okay? But it's a cool story. But what I find interesting here is that Jesus could have healed this man on the spot. He could have healed him on the spot. In fact, other portions of Scripture, Jesus just says a word and people are healed, or Jesus just touches the leper and and that leper is healed. There's all kinds of ways that Jesus heals, but in that moment, he could have healed instantaneously. But in this moment, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus invites this man to be part of his own healing. He invites this man to be part of his own healing. And in the same way, he invites us to be part of our healing because there is something that's core to as we have this conversation about healing that we need to understand together today. And it's simply that God is able to heal what we allow him to heal. God is able to heal what we allow him to heal. You see, in that moment, Jesus invited that man to be part of his own healing. He gave him clear instructions. This is, this is what you're to do and you're to, to now go and to wash in this specific pool. And that guy did and miraculously he was healed. But as we consider the areas that we are asking for healing, I believe Jesus is inviting us to be part of our own healing as well. And he's inviting us to do a couple things. The first is to invite him into the areas that need healing. To invite him into the areas of our lives that need healing, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. What I love about our God is that he is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. Like, God knows the areas of woundedness. He knows the areas that we need healing. But just like any gentleman, he stands by. He doesn't force him, his way in the door. He doesn't force his way into those wounds. He simply stands by and invites us and says, invite me in. Invite me in to this wound. Invite me into this area where you need healing. And then he invites us to do the hard work of being ready. He invites us to do the hard work of being ready. For that man, it was to go and wash himself in the pool. And perhaps that's part of what Jesus will ask you is to go jump in a pool. I don't know, okay? But what I do know is there's a couple things that I see that Jesus does invite us to to do in order to be ready. And they they really circle and focus around the issue of forgiveness. Especially in emotional wounds. Those people that have hurt us, the people that have wounded us, who have done just heinous things to us or to somebody we love, Jesus invites us to forgive those people. In fact, in another portion of Scripture, Jesus commands us, forgive others as I have what? Forgiven you. Forgive others as I have forgiven you. And just a reminder of how he has forgiven us, check out Isaiah chapter 43. It says, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. That scripture blows my mind every time. Because I don't know about your journey and your story, but I know I have a whole lot of stuff that God has forgiven me of. And the fact that he remembers them no more absolutely blows my mind. But yet it's that same type of forgiveness that Jesus asks us to extend to those who have hurt us, those who have wounded us. And now I recognize today you're like, hold on a second. This whole forgiveness thing, like I don't know if I can do that, but can I encourage you with a couple things? First of all, by forgiving someone, it doesn't mean that you are endorsing what they've done to you or to somebody that you care about. It doesn't mean that at all. 
It also doesn't mean that you are opening up the door for you to be, to be wounded again or to be hurt again. That's not at all what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is simply saying, you know what, Jesus? I'm giving this person to you. They've hurt me. They've wounded me. They've hurt people I love. But today, I'm going to follow your example, and I am going to forgive them. I'm handing them over to you. And so part of the doing the hard work of being ready is forgiving those who have hurt us. For some of us, it's doing the hard work of forgiving ourselves. The decisions that we made that have caused ripple and hurt and woundedness. About a year ago, I stood on this stage and I shared with you that at 15 years old, my girlfriend got pregnant. And without really having much discussion, she had an abortion. And can I tell you, I beat myself up over that for years and years and years. And it wasn't until Jesus invited me to actually forgive myself that I was able to walk into the healing that he desired for me so that I didn't have to carry the blame and the guilt and the shame. And your story might be different. It might be something completely different. But what I know is that some of us in this room, what Jesus is inviting us to, to position us to be healed, is to simply forgive ourselves. And for some of us, we need to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. You see, part of doing the hard work of being ready is to forgive others, to forgive ourselves, and then just simply to say, God, I need you to forgive me for the ways that I've sinned against you in this area of woundedness. Because what I want you to know is that our God longs to heal. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is a God who heals. Healing flows from the heart of God. But God is able to heal only what we allow him to heal. We have to invite him in to the areas that need healing. We have to do the hard work of being ready. But can I take this moment to acknowledge the tension in this conversation, right? There's a tension that exists when we have this conversation that God's able to heal because on one side, there's the reality that the healing comes from the heart of God. He's Jehovah Rapha. He, he, he's able to heal everything that we allow him to heal. But on the other side is this reality is that God doesn't always heal, Right? Eight years ago, when I got the phone call, living in Pennsylvania, that my mother had had a heart attack. Jumped in the car with my wife. We drove the speed limit all the way to Michigan. No, we didn't. But the whole way, we cried out, God, heal my mom, heal my mom, heal my mom. The church we were part of, hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, were praying that my mother would be healed. And for five days, we got to her bedside and we journeyed alongside her. We prayed, we fasted, we cried out to God. We invited him into our area of, of woundedness. We invited him into the area that needed healing. We did the hard work of being ready. But on September 18th, we had to pull the plug and my mom's life on earth came to an end. Five months later, the phone rings. It's my brother. Hey, dad's been in an accident. We jumped in the car, drove even faster this time. And on the way there, I called the emergency room to figure out what his status was. And the doctor on the other end of the phone went on to tell me that your dad's had a heart attack. And I'm sorry, he's no longer here. We cried out. We, we, we stood in the gap. We, you know, we invited Jesus in. We did the hard work of being ready, but God didn't answer our prayer that day. Just a few months ago, my roommate in college, 33 years old, had been having a journey with cancer, and this was an incredibly godly woman. I mean, she was somebody who was the most positive, servant-hearted person I've probably ever known in my life. Hundreds of people, thousands of people were praying, who were inviting, them, inviting God into that moment, into her cancer. They were praying for miraculous healing. In her blogs online, she blogged through this entire process. She clearly displayed that she believed that Jesus could heal her. She was inviting him into that. She had done the hard work of being ready. 
But on February 24th of this year, her life on earth came to an end, leaving behind her husband and her young kids. These are incredibly difficult times for those that loved my parents, those that loved Carrie. And, and, but the reality is, can I share something with you that has brought great hope to me? And that really addresses this tension in this whole conversation of if God is able to heal, if God continues to heal. And it's simply this thought right here. It's not a matter of if God will heal. It's when he'll heal. It's not a matter of if God will heal. It's when he will heal. You see, in those moments, we were crying out, asking God to bring healing now. You guys have done that. I'm, these are things you've journeyed through. You have cried out asking God to heal, and perhaps he didn't answer in the timing that we hoped. But here's the reality. When we gather to worship a God who not only, not only a death that led to a resurrection, but a love that led to a rescue, we celebrate the reality that those who stepped into relationship with Jesus, who have been rescued, have the hope of a day that is coming in which a final healing will take place, in which Revelation 21 says in verse 4, a time in which he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever, forever. You see, it's not a matter of if God will heal. He will heal. He is Jehovah Rapha. That's part of who he is. That's what he is doing. That's what he has done. It's not a matter of if God will heal, it's when. As you read the Gospels, think about this for a moment. And you read story after story after story how Jesus heals people miraculously and even raises Lazarus from the dead. Let me ask you a question. How many of those people are still alive today? None of them. But here's the reality, the hope that we have. This is why the gospel of Jesus Christ is such good news, is that we have the hope that a day is coming when a final healing will take place. A time in which there will be no sickness, there will be no sadness, there will be no crying, there will be no one wounding you, there will be no physical ailments where you'll have to say goodbye to someone you love. And that's incredibly good news, isn't it? But the key is, are we willing to praise him even when he doesn't heal in our own timing? But I got to tell you, I love when God does heal in our timing, don't we? You know, I celebrate just this week, I heard about somebody who had cancer at our Bettendorf campus, got word, check this out, they went to the doctor, the doctor said, you're cancer free. We can't explain it. The cancer is gone. And I go, praise God. That's right. God heals, right? Just this week, I was sitting with Carolyn, who attends our Rock Island campus here. And she was sharing with me about a few years ago when her husband died. And she just had two years of absolute, just what she kind of said was like a fog. She said, I felt like I can't breathe. Like there, there wasn't much purpose in life. And, and she goes, I just got to this place where I felt like I was reaching out to God, but he was just so distant. But Jesus invited her into the work of, in one, inviting him into her pain and then doing the hard work of being ready. And she shared just a few days ago, Tuesday night, that God broke through and she described this picture of him just giving her a hug and she felt a peace and a love and a hope that she had never encountered before. That is the reality of our God who is healing today. And he continues to do that. Just like when I cried out to God and I said, God, I, I don't have a mom and I don't have a dad, so I'm going to need you to step into the gap. I need you to be my mother. I need you to be my father. And can I tell you what? He's done that. He's brought healing to me. And that's what our God continues to do today. And so you may be asking the question, so what? 
So what? I hear you talking, Justin. I, okay, I know that there's areas that I need healing. And I hear you saying that at the core of who God is, is God is a healer, Jehovah Rapha. And, and I, I do, okay, I hear you that this healing flows from the heart of God and that he's able to heal everything that I allow him to heal. And so you ask the question, so what? Simply, I want you to know that God can heal you. I want you to know that God can heal you. That guy that I sat with that said 18 years ago, when my son's life was taken and I blamed myself, I can look at him and say, brother, God can heal you. When I look at that marriage in which infidelity had, had come in and created havoc, I can look at that couple and I can say, listen, God can bring healing to your marriage. And if he doesn't heal your marriage, here's what I know, is that he can heal you individually. The, the one who had been betrayed, I want you to know that God can heal you. He can give you the ability to trust. He can give you the ability to love again. And brother, that one who, you who made that decision to, to be unfaithful to your wife, I want you to know that if you invite God into that woundedness and you do the hard work of being ready, that he can heal you so you don't have to carry the shame and the guilt any longer. I can look at that fourth grade boy and I can get down at his level and I can say, buddy, I don't know what's going on in your world. I don't know the hurt. I don't know what's going on with mom and dad. But what I want you to know is that God can heal you. And when I look at you here in Rock Island, those of you in Bettendorf, those of you online, I want you to know that God can heal you. God can heal that area in your world that needs healing. God can move that stone that seems impossible to be moved. He can heal you. He's Jehovah Rapha. So let me give you a few tangible steps coming out of this conversation of what it could mean for you to just explore that healing today. First is to identify where healing is needed. To identify where healing is needed. Now I realize for some of us that's easier than others. Some of us are already like, Justin, I got eight or nine things already popping in my head. I got this, right? But for others of us, it's a little bit more of a challenge. And so what I encourage you, and really all of us, is to pray Psalm 139. Just this one passage, verse 23. The psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Find a quiet place and just say, God, search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. And then point out anything, any area in my life where I need healing. Show me what that is, God. Identify the area that healing is needed in your life. It might be physical. It might be emotional. It might be spiritual. But identify that area. And then secondly, do the hard work of being ready. Do the hard work of being ready. Invite Jesus in to that area that you've identified. Invite him in. He's a gentleman standing by. Don't hide any longer. Just say, Jesus, please come into this area of my life. And then do the hard work of being ready and forgiving perhaps somebody that's been a big part of that wound for you. Somebody who's hurt you, who's said something to you, that's done something to you or done something to somebody you love. Do the hard work of forgiving them. And you might have to pray. Let me be honest. You might have to begin to pray, God, I need you to give me the ability to forgive that person. Because quite frankly, in my own ability, I can't do it. And I recognize that. But that's a prayer that God will honor. I promise you. Do the hard work of forgiving that person. Do the hard work of forgiving yourself or asking God's forgiveness. And once you have done the work of identifying the area that needs healing, you've invited Jesus into that. You have experienced the power of forgiving those people or forgiving yourself or asking God's forgiveness, then you're positioned 
to ask and trust him to do what only he can do. Once you've done those first two steps, you're positioned to ask and trust him to do what only he can do. But I want you to know, God is able to heal. But as we ask and trust him to do what only he can do, we also have to resolve ourselves to praise him regardless of the timing in which he does it. And so the incredible good news is that the area of healing that you've identified and that you're wrestling with right now, God can heal you. God can heal you. He's Jehovah Rapha. He can heal. So I'm going to have you do it. I just want you to stand right where you're at as we close today. I recognize that this conversation can really begin to stir some things in you, and this can be hard moments. And what I'd encourage you to do is don't journey this alone. As a church, we talk about the importance of living link, that we're created for community. Understanding that these wounds are a very real part of what we do. That's why we have support groups. That's why we, we have things like grief share and we had a ter- terminal illness support group this year and, and we have divorce care and environments like that that just position you to journey alongside people. So I encourage you, if you're in one of those realities, seek those out. That's why we partner with Wellsprings of Freedom. We're watching God bring healing to people through that ministry. I want you to know you don't have to do this alone. But the reality is, as we step back into worship, is that we serve a God that not only rolled the stone away 2,000 years ago, but we still serve a God who is rolling stones away today, a God who can set us free, a God who empowers us, and a God who is able to heal us. So as we prepare to pray, what I'm going to ask you to do, if you've identified an area of healing today, and you're saying, God, I want you to heal me. God, I'm willing to do the hard work of inviting you in. I'm willing to do the hard work of forgiveness. Just as I pray right now, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand. Raise your hand to heaven just in symbolism of saying, God, I'm reaching out to you. I trust you. I'm inviting you into this area of pain, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual. Today, I'm inviting you in, and I'm willing to do the hard work of forgiveness. Will you just raise your hand right where you're at? All right, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you see my hands are raised. I join my brothers and sisters in this space right now. God, with my hands raised, I say, Jesus, I long for you to heal. Jehovah Rapha, would you bring healing right now? We are choosing to invite you in to this area of woundedness, this area that needs healing. We are choosing to invite you in. We are raising our hands saying we are willing to do the hard work of being ready to forgive ourselves, to forgive others, to, to, to ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, right now, I pray that you would do what only you can do. And God, we will praise you regardless. God, I pray for those in this room today that it's a spiritual healing. They recognize, God, I have been running my own race. I've been going the wrong way. But today, with my hands raised high, I am surrendering my life to you, Jesus, because I want the spiritual healing that only you can give. God, I pray right now that you would bring healing May you be glorified. God, we trust you. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. You are the God that continues to move stones away today. And we love you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen.